And many of these half a billion Chinese Internet users are demanding something that many here take for granted, owning a car. It's not just the Chinese who want wheels. It's hundreds of millions throughout the developing world. That's a whole lot of new cars on the road, but there are alternatives. The world's Jason Margolis explores one of them. When John Sturman looks at cars and transportation systems in the not-too-distant future, he doesn't like what he sees. He's a professor at the MIT Sloan School of Management. If everybody in the world drove the way Americans do today, then there'd be in 2050 about 9-plus billion people, according to the UN, and those 9 billion people would be driving 7.8 billion light-duty vehicles. And those vehicles would require five times the oil production as today, spewing out a lot more greenhouse gases. And those cars would take up enough land that it would take an area the size of the whole country of Bangladesh just for the parking spaces. But what's the answer, then, if we all want cars? One thought, we share them. Sturman loves this idea. He says more people need to really think about what car ownership entails. The insurance, the registration, the taxes, the parking, uh, the maintenance, all of that stuff that you pay for whether you're driving it or not. Most people are, especially in cities, are coming to realize, no, this is a terrible thing. It's hugely expensive to own a personal vehicle. Here in Boston, as well as more than 50 other cities in North America and the U.K. and Spain, you can rent a zip car by the hour or day. Robin Chase co-founded the company in Boston 13 years ago. We started with four cars and uh, built it up from there. Today, Zipcar has a fleet of nearly 10,000 vehicles and 760,000 members. Each car is used by 40 to 60 people, and of those people, 15 to 20 sell or avoid buying a car. That's a lot less congestion and emissions. And Zipcar could be expanding soon. Last week, Avis bought Zipcar for around $500 million. Robin Chase is no longer affiliated with Zipcar. She's now working on another car-sharing startup in Paris and sees huge opportunities for growth in car-sharing globally. I just spent the last two years in Paris, and throughout Europe, it's a given and accepted fact that cities are going to be all become shared cars. Over the next 20 years, that's what we will see. And as we think about Asia and in India, those densely populated cities... American cities are one-fifth the density, population density of those cities. And those already crowded Chinese and Indian cities don't yet have that many cars either. David Friedman is the deputy director of the Clean Vehicles Program at the Union of Concerned Scientists. He says, consider this. Right now, there are about 700 cars per 1,000 people here in the U.S. In China, there's about 44 cars for every thousand people. In India, there's even less. There's only about 12 cars for every thousand people. So there's a lot of room for China and India car ownership to grow. The question is, are they going to take the U.S. model, where we've saturated car use, or are they going to adopt car sharing so they don't follow the same path of congestion, pollution, and poor air quality that we tried over the last 40 years as our car ownership exploded? But do the Chinese want to share cars? Forget about it. No way. It's not going to happen. Unthinkable. Michael Dunn is a car consultant based in Hong Kong. Dunn says in Asia, cars are a social statement. It's an image factor, big image factor. At the office, you say, well, what kind of car are you driving? I'm driving a Honda, and this guy over here has a Nissan. I have a Chevy. Uh, What about you? Well, I'm sharing a car with somebody else. Oh, you're sharing a car? It means you can't afford one. 
But that doesn't mean attitudes can't change. People just need a nudge, says Susan Shaheen. She's co-director of the Transportation Sustainability Research Center at UC Berkeley. Her research shows that car sharing has been growing faster in the U.S. than in Canada, for example. When we look at the difference between Canada and the U.S., U.S. governments typically were much more supportive towards the car sharing concept in terms of grants, subsidies, access to on-street parking, and those types of things. So I think the role of the government is really important. And I think the signal in particular that it sends to the population in China is very important. In Singapore, the government has been sending that signal. Car taxes, tolls, and usage fees are making car ownership prohibitively expensive. It costs more than $65,000 just to buy a permit to own a car there. No real surprise, some car-sharing companies in Singapore are now open for business. For The World, I'm Jason Margolis. A question for you listeners. Have you ever thought about trying a car-sharing program but decided not to? We'd like to know why. Add your thoughts at theworld.org.